Do you believe Jesus is with you in every moment? One of the best ways to instill this truth is by spending time in reflection and prayer. Dr. David Jeremiah makes this easy with his new 365-day devotional called Walking with Jesus. This exclusive book is available for a gift of any amount in support of Turning Point. And for a donation of $120 or more, you'll receive the devotional four-pack, perfect for gifting. Learn more when you visit davidjeremiah.ca. Everyone knows the Old Testament is about heroes like David and Joshua, and the New Testament is about Jesus, right? Well, not so fast. Today on Turning Point, Dr. David Jeremiah explains why Jesus isn't limited to just a portion of God's Word. From his series, The Jesus You May Not Know, here's David to introduce his message, Is He From the Old Testament or the New Testament? You will be surprised to know that all Bible scholars agree that if all you had was the Old Testament, you could construct a pretty good timeline for the life of Jesus, which is played out for us in the New Testament. The Old Testament looks forward to the coming of Jesus with such great detail. The scriptures are incredible. And we're going to talk about that today in just a moment as we answer this question, is he from the Old Testament or from the New Testament? And the he in that question is the Jesus you may not know. During the month of December, you can order all of the materials that go with this particular series, a beautiful study guide, a beautiful full-length book with all the material uh, chronicled in the book, and the CD package, which is the oral teaching of the series. If you get this package, you'll be able to share it with others, review it for yourself. You may want to have your own personal study, or you may want to conduct a study group. All of this possible with these resources for the series you're listening to on the radio. And then, as we come to the end of the year, as we always do during the month of December, we make available to you the beautiful devotional guide that we produce each year just for our viewers and listeners leather-covered, beautiful gold-embossed letters. The cover is filled with this title, Walking with Jesus. In this new year, Walking with Jesus, there's 366 uh, devotionals in this book because next year is leap year. We even thought of that. So there's a devotional for you for every day that you awake to help you get started in your walk with the Lord, to light your spiritual fire, to prime your pump, however you want to say it. It's not your whole devotional program. It's a reading to encourage you, and we're thankful to make this available to you for a gift of any size. Ask for your copy of this beautiful devotional when you send your December gift to Turning Point. And remember, December's one of the important giving months here at Turning Point. Well, let's get started with today's lesson. Is he from the Old Testament or is he from the New Testament? This Jesus you may not know. We are talking about what you may not know about Jesus. So far, we've asked two questions. I'm going to give you a little test. You tell me the answers. Is Jesus the son of Mary or is he the son of man? Well, that's pretty weak, but most of you got it right. The answer to that is yes. He's both. Is Jesus from history or from eternity? He's from both. Well, here's today's lesson. Is he from the Old Testament or from the new? I didn't even teach yet. How would you know that? 
Amazing. Dr. David Murray is an Old Testament scholar and a seminary professor, and he wrote a book called Jesus on Every Page. Growing up, Dr. Murray learned Old Testament stories in Sunday school, but he seldom heard the Old Testament ever preached from the pulpit. That is a rare thing today, I've noticed. He wondered what the Old Testament was all about, and when he himself became a Christian in his 20s, he began reading the Bible in earnest, but he still found that the Old Testament was kind of useless to his newfound faith. The Old Testament seemed to represent a very different religion from the Christ-centered religion he had come to love through reading the New Testament's pages. Then something happened. His denomination decided to start a seminary, and he was asked to teach Hebrew and Old Testament. He said there was nagging questions in the back of his mind. What's the Old Testament all about? And why would God have given us the majority of the Bible in the Old Testament? By the way, how many books are there in the Old Testament? 39. How many in the New Testament? 27. So there's more Bible in the Old Testament than there is in the New by 12. And yet many people are mystified by the Old Testament. What in the world is its purpose? Why do we have all these ancient stories? What is this about? Well, Dr. Murray had those questions. And as he studied the Old Testament to teach his seminary classes, he came to realize that Jesus Christ had already answered the questions in his heart that Jesus Christ had explained to his disciples what the Old Testament was about. That Jesus Christ had told his disciples, the Old Testament, you guys, is about me. It's about me. The Old Testament is about Jesus. And when Jesus was alive on this earth, he actually said that. And we sometimes read it in the Bible and we pass right over it. During a debate with his enemies in John 5, Jesus asserted, The Father himself who sent me has testified of me. In other words, God the Father who sent me down to this earth, he's already told you all about me. Well, where did he do that? There wasn't any New Testament when Jesus was on the earth. The Almighty God told us about Jesus in the Old Testament scriptures. In other words, Jesus said, God the Father has talked a lot about me. He's already told you exactly who I am. He has testified of me. Here's the extended passage from John chapter 5. Listen to it now with this new understanding and see if you don't see what I'm saying. And the Father himself who sent me has testified of me. You have neither heard his voice at any time nor seen his form. But you do not have his word abiding in you, because whom he sent, him you do not believe. You search the scriptures, this is the Old Testament, for in them you think you have eternal life. And these Old Testament scriptures are they which testify of me, said Jesus. But you are not willing to come to me that you may have life. Jesus said, in effect, God the Father spoke endlessly about me in the writings of the Old Testament. You find everything about me there because these scriptures testify of me. They prove my identity, and yet you still will not come to me. I'm sure you know that our friends from Judaism do not accept the New Testament, and they do not believe the Messiah has come, but that he is yet to come. But here in the Old Testament is the footprint of the Messiah that has already come, whom we have accepted as our Savior. The Old Testament men and women is packed with information about Jesus Christ. 
There are more than 300 specific predictions about his first coming in the Old Testament scriptures. There are types or pictures of him in the Old Testament. Sometimes he shows up in the Old Testament. It's called a theophany, the personal presence of Jesus before he was born in Bethlehem. And when you read the Old Testament with Jesus in mind, everything is different. Everything is totally revised, and you see that these are not just a collection of stories, but these are preparing you to know Jesus, who's about to be introduced in the New Testament as he comes to this earth. Now, I don't have time to take you through all 300 prophecies, and I don't have time to take you through all the pictures, but I've chosen a few to illustrate this point. Is Jesus in the Old Testament or in the New? He's in both. But primarily, he's in the Old Testament, and that's what we may not know about Jesus. First of all, I want to introduce you to the first presentation of the gospel in the entire Bible. Now, if I ask you where that is, you probably would say, oh, it's probably John 3.16 or Matthew. No, it's not there. It's not Isaiah. It's not the Psalms. It's not the historical books. The first presentation of the gospel is in the third chapter of the book of Genesis. You say, Pastor, where in the world is that? Now, I'll tell you, this first picture of Jesus in the Old Testament is the hardest one, so you've got to listen while we go through this so you will get it, because if you don't get it, it won't make any difference. But it's in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15. Theologians call this verse the Proto-Evangelium. Proto means first, Evangelium means gospel. They call Genesis 3:15 the first gospel. As you know, the Bible begins with the book of Genesis and the story of God's creation, his universe, his planet, and the two people that he put on this earth, Adam and Eve. He created them for fellowship with himself, and you know the story of how they violated his command and they sinned, and the punishment came. It was a sad day for all of us when the apple was eaten by Adam and Eve. And when they disobeyed the commandment of God, which was given in the abundance of his blessing, God punished them. You know they were thrown out of the garden, and a lot of bad things happened to them and ultimately to us because of their sin. But here's what I want you to know. God never gave up on them, and God was never going to give up on them because, listen, in eternity past, before this ever happened, God saw it coming, and he already had prepared a plan of redemption to take care of Adam and Eve and ultimately to take care of us. When they were thrown out of the garden, Almighty God had a talk with Satan. And in Genesis 3.15, here are the words that God said to Satan. He said, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Now that sounds like a code. That sounds like a foreign language, like what in the world does that mean? Some people miss this and miss the blessing of it. Take this little phrase, he shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. Now, this is a very interesting little study, so look down in your Bible, and let me ask you this question. Is the word he capitalized? Come on now, is it? All right. And then the next phrase, and you shall bruise his heel. Is the word his capitalized? So who do you suppose that might be? That's Jesus. 
So listen, here's what this means. God told Satan that one day a seed of the woman, who is that? That's Jesus, born of a woman. One day a seed of the woman is coming, and Satan, you will bruise his heel. But don't get all excited, Satan, because one day he's going to bruise your head. When Jesus was born and came into this world, he went to the cross, and Satan bruised his heel. Satan thought he had won. He was dancing on top of the tomb. And he thought that it was over, but he didn't take Jesus out. He just bruised his heel. The Scripture says one day when Jesus comes the second time, he's going to bruise Satan's head, and the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet shortly, Romans 16, 20. So what God said to Satan was, there's coming someone born of a woman who is going to take you out of the picture and make it impossible for you to control the destiny of my children. There is coming someone as early as the Garden of Eden, this message was spoken. There is coming someone born of the seed of a woman who will stand between you, Satan, and humanity. You will hurt this someone in the heel, but he will crush your head. And when you come to the New Testament with this in the back of your mind, you read Galatians chapter 4. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law that we might receive the adoption of sons. This is such a rich, yet sometimes totally misunderstood passage. Genesis 3.15 is one of the most encouraging verses in the Bible because here is the first promise of the gospel. Here we see Jesus who's going to come and defeat Satan and bring us back to the family of God. Genesis 3.15 is about Jesus. Jesus in the Old Testament. And then you come to the book of Exodus and you meet another person who is a picture of Jesus. We call this person the Passover lamb. God's plan of redemption continues to unfold. And here we have one of the Bible's greatest types. In the Old Testament, in the early chapters of Exodus, we have the story of Pharaoh and Moses. And you remember the contest between Pharaoh and Moses that resulted in many plagues that were leveled against the Egyptians. But the worst of all the plagues, which was so bad it can even hardly be called a plague, was when the Lord God, after all of the resistance on the part of Pharaoh, said, on this particular night, the death angel's going to pass through Egypt, and the firstborn of every one of your families is going to be slain. But Moses told the Israelite families who lived in Egypt to take a spotless lamb and brush its blood on the doorposts and lintels of their houses. Here's how it reads in Exodus chapter 12. For I will pass through the land of Egypt on that night and will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. Now, Israel, the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood... I will pass over you. By the way, that's why we celebrate with the Jewish people this wonderful feast of Passover. It's to celebrate the night when the angel passed over the houses where the blood was on display on the doorposts. The Lord was simply revealing through this Old Testament story his pattern and his plan. 
Our salvation from death requires the sacrifice and blood of an innocent lamb. And 1,400 years later, when John the Baptist introduced the Messiah to the world, this is what he said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And First Peter adds to that these precious words, You were not redeemed with corruptible things, like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Just as the Lamb of God in the Old Testament was that which enabled the death angel to pass over the houses of the Israelites who displayed the blood on their doorpost. So the blood of the Lamb of God who was slain on Calvary, when it is applied to our hearts, keeps us from the judgment against us because of our sin, and we are redeemed. If you ever go to Scotland or anywhere near there, what you'll discover, and Don and I have been there, and we know this is true, you'll see a lot of sheep over there. A lot of sheep in Scotland. I don't know what that's all about. But if you go there and you stay there and you watch for very long, you'll see a very unusual sight. You'll see a little lamb running around the field and you'll notice that this lamb has what looks like an extra fleece tied on its back. In fact, you'll see there are little holes in the fleece for his forelegs and usually a little hole in the fleece for his head. If you see a little lamb running around like that, that means that his mother has died You see, without the protection and nourishment of a mother, an orphan lamb will die. If you take an orphan lamb and try to introduce it to another mother, the new mother will butt it away because she won't recognize that little lamb's scent and she won't want anything to do with a baby that's not her own. So most flocks over there are large enough that there is a ewe that has recently lost a lamb. In other words, either in early childhood or early life, this lamb has died. The shepherd will skin that dead lamb and make its fleece into a covering for the orphaned lamb. And then he'll take the orphan lamb to the mother whose baby just died. And when she sniffs the orphan lamb, she will smell the fleece of her own lamb. And instead of butting the lamb away, she will gladly accept it as one of her own. That's really the picture of what Jesus has done for us the Lamb of God. As you read the Old Testament story of the Passover Lamb, let it remind you of Christ's love for you. His precious blood was shed for you and for me so that we can be clothed with His righteousness. And when we draw near to Christ, He doesn't see us, but He sees the righteousness which is His, which He has given to us, and we are accepted before the God of heaven because of the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. In the Old Testament, he's the Passover lamb. In the New Testament, he's the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Here's the third one. Jesus, the bronze serpent. The book of Numbers describes one of the most vivid symbols of Christ in the Old Testament. I need to pause here for just a moment and say, I'm glad that God never called me to be a shepherd over Israel's people. Moses had, I think, the hardest job anybody has ever had. Because according to the Bible and according to God, they have a tendency to be somewhat stubborn. And if you haven't figured it out, Israel kept getting themselves in trouble. They'd get in trouble. God would send some punishment to them. They'd get 
all right with God and they'd come back and they'd walk with God for a while. Then before you know it, there they go again. It's just one story after the other. And don't look so surprised because it sounds like our story, doesn't it? Well, in the book of Numbers, in the 21st chapter, Israel's in a lot of trouble. They've done some very bad things. Don't have time to go into all the detail. But God was fed up with it. And so he sent some punishment to get their attention. He sent them snakes. The Bible calls them serpents, but they're just snakes. Mean, ugly snakes. Snakes everywhere in Israel. And they were poisonous snakes. And if you got bit by one of these snakes, you was it. You were done. Nothing to do but die. And Moses pled with God to take this punishment away. Moses felt responsible for the fact that the people were sinning. He begged God to take this plague from his people. And God spoke to Moses and told him, make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole And it shall be that everyone who is bitten, when he looks at it, shall live. And Moses made a bronze serpent and set it on the standard. And it came about that if a serpent bit anyone in the camp, when he looked to the bronze serpent, he lived. You say, well, pastor, what does that mean? Why don't we ask Jesus? Jesus explained it in John 3, 14 and 15. This is what he said. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. The people in the wilderness looked to the serpent, and they were healed. And when you and I look to Jesus on the cross, when we feel the regret and pain of what we have done and our sinful choices, The remedy is never to try to heal ourselves. The remedy is simply to look to Jesus and accept what he's done on the cross. To look to the cross and say, I know you're there for me. You paid the penalty for my sin. And when we look to the cross, has the same effect upon us as what happened in the Old Testament when those who had been bitten by the serpent looked to the serpent on the pole and they were healed. perfect illustration of Jesus. And where is it? It's in Numbers chapter 21. That's Jesus in the Old Testament. And then number four, there's Jesus, the forsaken Savior. Let's move out of the history books. Let's move out of the Pentateuch. Let's move to the books of David and the books of the prophets. We'll stop along the way in the book of Psalms and we'll find our way in Psalms to one of the great Psalms in the Bible, Psalm 22. In Psalm 22, we have a prediction of the words that Jesus would say while he was dying on the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Psalm 22, verse 1. In Psalm 22, we have a description of the nature of his suffering and death, verse 7. In Psalm 22, we have the exact words that were flung at him by the bystanders at the cross. In Psalm 22, we have the story of the dehydration and loss of bodily fluids that were involved in his terrible death at crucifixion. 
In Psalm 22, we have a history of the disjointed position of his body. In Psalm 22, we have a record of his intense thirst. In Psalm 22, we have a record of the piercing of his hands and feet. In Psalm 22, we have the unclothed state of his body in death. In Psalm 22, we have the gambling away of his garments by the executioners. In Psalm 22, we have his declaration of victory at the resurrection. Ladies and gentlemen, Psalm 22 was written 1,000 years before Jesus died on the cross. Wow. What a prophetic uh, wonder the Bible is. I hope you are getting excited about it as we pour through these scriptures concerning our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Tomorrow, we will take a part two of, is he from the Old Testament or the New Uh, Later on this week, we're going to talk about, is he the son of Mary or the son of God? Is he the teacher of truth or the truth to be taught? This series is called The Jesus You May Not Know. You can get all of the study material that goes with this series, all the resources, from our website, which is davidjeremiah.org. There you will find a beautiful study guide, a full-length book by the title, The Jesus You May Not Know, and you can also order the CD package and be ready to study it again for yourself or to be the facilitator for a small group. Wonderful thing to study the life of Jesus, always productive. And don't forget to order your copy of the devotional for next year. Send your December gift to Turning Point and ask for it, and we'll have it on its way to you before you know it. See you tomorrow. For more information on Dr. Jeremiah's series, The Jesus You May Not Know, please visit our website where you'll also find two free ways to help you stay connected, our monthly magazine, Turning Points, and our daily email devotional. Sign up today at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. That's davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. Or call us at 800-946-4300. Ask for your copy of David's new 365-day devotional for 2024, Walking with Jesus. It's sure to inspire you through the year ahead, and it's yours for a gift of any amount. You can also purchase the Jeremiah Study Bible in the English Standard, New International, and New King James versions with notes and articles from Dr. Jeremiah's decades of study. Get all the details when you visit our website, davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us tomorrow as we continue The Jesus You May Not Know on Turning Point with Dr. David Jeremiah. We celebrate Christmas every year, but have you ever wondered why? Why Mary? Why Joseph? Why a newborn king? In the film called Why the Nativity, Dr. David Jeremiah gives you a front row seat as you travel back in time to experience the sights and sounds of this pivotal moment, the birth of Jesus. Make this your new Christmas tradition. Why the Nativity is available to stream for free at whythenativity.org. Watch it today for free at whythenativity.org. Turning Point presents the Jeremiah Study Bible. Jumpstart your Bible study with more than 8,000 study notes from Dr. Jeremiah to help you discover what the Bible says, what it means, and what it means for you. Available in the New King James and New International versions in standard or large print, as well as the English Standard Version in standard print. For more details or to order your copy, go to davidjeremiah.ca slash jsb. If you attend a Christmas worship service this holiday season, you may hear a version of an ancient song called the Magnificat. 
The name comes from the opening words of the Latin version which say, My soul doth magnify. Those beautiful words were first spoken by Mary when she learned she would become the mother of Jesus. Today, we need to magnify something more than shopping, parties, and presents at Christmas. Something more magnificent. Thankfully, my soul can be filled to running over when I think about the central focus of Christmas, the love of God displayed in sending the Christ child to earth for me. This is David Jeremiah, and that is the Christmas story on Route 66. Driving the word home this Christmas on Route 66. Log on to Route66life.com and get your roadmap for life. That's Route66life.com. Start your journey home today.